I think. Yeah, it seemed alright. Yeah. Every time I do a clap, my the clock pauses on the number I'm supposed to be clapping on and like skips it. <laughs> that's odd. And I think think that's very suspicious. I'm starting mm-hmm. to think I am cursed, um, but like really minorly, like a really you minor curse. Cl- yeah, like, I'm the curse. I'm the village curse. That's like the the word. Yeah, that's that's the shittiest curse. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like I I had this theory for a while that every person has a superpower but it's gonna be something that is that that doesn't doesn't do you any good and you're probably never gonna discover in your entire life like things like that like what you said like you can there was a, a tumblr post like that i was actually. just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> where it's like ah oh, every time i turn on the tv it's always on the right channel or like oh i can always <laughs> figure yeah. out how to open locks well I'm really key. good at opening yeah. childproof um, yeah. medicine bottles. <laughs> My mine is actually um, cutting people's hair with no training. <laughs> <laughs> you see, before lockdown, I didn't realize that this was a skill I have, but now I've cut my hair four times uh, since lockdown started. Mm-hmm. And every time I get better, maybe. I, I have a theory that cutting hair is just taking a scissor and cutting it and... Uh, or the hairdressers are like pretending that it's some sort form of high art, but it's like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think any of them are pretending it's high art. (laughs) I do think, (laughs) I do think depending what you do, it's not as hard as it might seem. Because I think I've got some techniques down by just staring at the hairdresser as she cuts my hair so I don't have to look at myself in the mirror. Oh. Yeah, I get really into staring into my own eyes and the hairdresser and it gets too intense i start having no, i don't, really... don't want to make eye contact with myself <laughs> so i just watch what she's doing i have really bad eyes so and i i always need to put down my glasses when i get yeah, a haircut. so i'm just i'm just not gonna I, I i don't have the risk of having to stare into my own face because it's just blurry yeah, I wish that was it's me. It's a thing. horrible experience. <laughs> but I genuinely heard this from like several people who switched from glasses to contacts that the most disturbing part about this was getting a haircut and having to actually see your face. <laughs> yeah, you suddenly I... like look at yourself in the bright lights of the hairdressing salon and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> I think I this is what I look like. Enjoy not being able to see myself properly. And this is after they've washed my hair and I've been staring unintentionally into one of the ceiling lights for about yeah. 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. I already can't see anything very well. It, there's normally a bit about halfway through where they've just done something to your hair that's incredibly bizarre and you just feel like this rising panic and you're like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> what if this is just what my hair is going to look like now? Normally, see, I, I only see the, the end result. Yeah, well, the hairdresser tends to panic towards the end of cutting my hair because it tends to do kind of weird stuff. Okay. Um, And I can see that panic in her eyes as she's, like, holding them in their different lengths or whatever. Or she's, like, trying to, like, muss it because it looks kind of weird. And I'm like, here it comes. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. We've reached this portion of the experience. I do like the idea of hairdressers just um, not actually doing a very hard job when they all go to, like, hairdressers college, but it's just, like, a magician's college. (laughs) It's all about, like, mm-hmm. showmanship. Well, it's about, like, saying, ah, oh, so how's the weather been? Mm-hmm. Do you do you go to school here? Where do you live in Cardiff? You know, that sort of stuff. I and once yeah. 
when I was younger, yeah. I was in like second year of sixth form. I had a hairdresser ask me like, "Oh, are you at uni here?" And I just started lying. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that old. I was just like, "Yeah, I'm at uni." She's like, "What are you studying?" And I was started like this went on for like the full time she was cutting my hair. And I got home and I was like, "I can never ever go there again because yeah. she thinks I'm a student and I'm not." Yeah, <laughs> and I, have, I don't know why um, I lied. <laughs> I was like, the first tattoo I ever got was um like a week after I turned eighteen. Um, and for some reason I was like what if they ID me even though my ID was fine um, and I was like better pretend to be older than I am so I just started making stuff up and he was like where do you work and I was like I work in a cafe in town <laughs> he was like which cafe I'm like salt and pepper I work at salt and pepper in town and he's like oh interesting so how long have you been working there and I'm like oh nine months you know I'm trying to get enough money that I can rent my own house in uh, Chepstow and yeah it really took a turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to so say good. my sister had a haircut experience where she went to a new place and the hairdresser must have like mixed her up with someone and thought that she's a regular. Oh, no. And <gasps> she, were, so she was just like always asking, oh, same as last time or, you know, <laughs> how's, how have things been with you? And she just never could, could never admit that it's actually the first time she's there. That's so I awkward. A, I had a very weird time last time where I went to the same hairdressers that I always go to because they do 20% off for walk-ins mm-hmm. and it's not that expensive. And um, she I, she was going to like, she was shaving my undercut and she was like, why was this shaved last time or was it just cut? And I was like, it was just cut. And she was like, oh, that's weird. Why didn't they shave it? And I was like, I had it here and you said you didn't have a razor. And she's like, no, we have a razor. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Weird they just experience. didn't feel like it. They just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, "We can't. We don't have one." I love the, the idea hairdresser of just doing that to people and like people coming up to the bar and being like, "Can I have a pint of this?" So I'm like, "No, <laughs> we don't have it." I just don't feel like it. Sorry, <laughs> I just don't feel like you should have that. So I just don't want to today. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, my haircut experience has become like I haven't been there in a while. Obviously, although I think I could theoretically go again. Mm. Uh, but like, it used to be that that the hairdresser is gonna start like trying to chat with me, and I'm gonna give like short answers, and then she just stops, and then yeah, the they do that. I do as well. Yeah. I just I don't have it in me. I'm just there to have my hair chopped and my head massaged sometimes. If that yeah. I just go there nice. to to get the service of having my hair shorter. I do my I'm an approachable person face where I just uh-huh. smile like very widely the entire time. You start doing oh, your like Seinfeld bits. I don't do that with hairdressers because I don't feel like I should. But it's that sort of facial expression um, <laughs> as if I'm doing the Seinfeld thing. But yeah. <laughs> It's stressful. I hate going to the hairdressers. That's why I'm just going to cut my hair from now on. Yeah, if it works, it's probably cheaper. It's definitely cheaper. I cut Lucy's hair at 1am last night after three beers. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks pretty good. So. Yeah, I think so. Some skill. <laughs> I was going to ask earlier when um, when we were talking about like not knowing where to look and staring like because the most horrifying thing for me is going to the dentist because i like should i close my eyes or should i leave them open depends if you want to look at them i have fallen asleep at the dentist before i I find the dentist like weirdly soothing yeah i don't know what it is 
I just like or the we'll taste of rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah. <laughs> I just just feel that enormous sense of calm when someone's put their entire hand in my mouth. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I'm not going to interrogate it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Should we start the podcast? Yeah, let's yeah, start I the think podcast. So. Okay. I want to be the first person in the game to say f- I've never really got rinse when totally. He spells really W-I-Z-Z-A-R-D-Z. He's the character who started off the Disney World series. Most important wizard out of anyone I can see. He's a useful character to have around, but he's not one that I personally rate very highly. Rincewind is the top geezer. What can I tell you about Rincewind? Welcome to Who Watches the Watch, your favourite Discworld podcast, our favourite Discworld podcast, Terry Pratchett's favourite Discworld podcast. He loves it. Um, today we're talking about the second half of The Light Fantastic, and I'm your host, Charlotte. I'm your host, Lucy. And I'm your host, Janos. George no can't George be with today. us today. He fell off a cliff somewhere in Dorset. Yeah. George yeah, got cancelled. He's retired to the country for a while. Um, I love the idea of George getting cancelled and all of us being like, I'm sorry, (laughs) can't be on the podcast anymore. Yeah, some disturbing information has come to light about George and it's that he's from Dorset, Mm. so we're no longer having him on the podcast. I was just gonna just gonna say I realized what George's hidden superpower is, and it's like breaking a microphone after two weeks <laughs> without doing actually anything with it. Yeah, it's just having problems with audio. <laughs> I mean, the Every very first episode we recorded, he didn't even record, so yeah, you know, I think he's better than that. His voice has like a specific frequency that just ruins all electric electrical devices. Yeah, I think so. It's like a walking EMP. Yeah. <laughs> it's this old man energy. It sort of destroys the uh, the technology. I can't wait for him to listen to this and hear his bitch about him. I um, mean, if he's not going to be on it, then it's yeah. time to roast George, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. He loves it. He loves it when I make fun of him. Um, today we're talking about the second half of The Light Fantastic. Um a really a fun romp, I thought. Mm. It is a fun romp. It's got plot. <laughs> it does have plot. It's got that person on, and facts as well. So. That person on Goodreads who was like, this doesn't have a plot was wrong. Yeah. Well, no, and I would say the person we talked about last week that, who said they didn't read the last 50 pages, I thought the last 50 pages were great. Me yeah. too. I think they say a lot in terms of characters and facts yeah. and <laughs> themes. Yeah, some a bit of a sad one in some ways, actually. Yeah. It is. It's so, kind of bittersweet end. Yeah, very Terry Pratchett stuff going on in there, I think. 
Yeah, mm. very understated emotions. Uh, people mm. not being able to actually express the deep emotions they have for each other and that's just awkwardly standing there instead of what they should do, which is kissing. We learned some very <laughs> we learned some very interesting information about Rincewind in this one, I think. Mm. Which is that he has had an orgasm sometimes in company. <laughs> so what does that mean? With, what does that mean? With other Terrence? people around, yeah. Exactly. I think it's probably just him jerking off in Unseen University when he was like 18. In, in like the same dormitory as the others. It's like the secret. But the, the implication. <laughs> That's true. What does it what I does mean, it mean? You know what they say about Wizard University? Yeah. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't there that whole section? Was that in the first part where there was this whole section about heroes and wizards just being homophobic at each other? Yeah. Well, it's like I it's literal that, like chads sure. and chads and nerds. It's like jocks and yeah. nerds. Sorry, I don't know why I've replaced jocks with yeah, chads. Yeah, jocks mind. and nerds, but just like having Chads-y, a homophobia yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say like one thing I will criticize about this book because it like it didn't even matter, and I don't know why it needed to be in there. Is like what? Why doesn't eighty year old need to marry a seventeen year old exactly? Um, um, for the for the humor, so funny. <laughs> I just think yeah. like they could have made her like he could have made her at least twenty. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at least make it like her not a child. <laughs> yeah, but this is the UK, which is the island of nonsense. That's true. That is true. Yeah. And our age of consent is sixteen, so yeah, so I, fine. I love it when <laughs> exactly. people bring that up to um, defend abusers. Yeah, it's normal. It's really normal cool. country. I just think if you could go to prison for sharing a picture of someone's naked body because of that age, you probably also shouldn't have sex with that person. <laughs> you know, that feels like an intuitive conclusion, to be honest. Yeah. So we've so we're going to call Cohen both ANCAP and a nonce on this podcast. <laughs> Cohen is both a nonce and ANCAP. Yeah, so cancelled. <laughs> yeah. I guess Terry Pratchett didn't need to write him that way. Like that's it's not, you know, it's not really the character's fault if the author's idea of something kind of sucks. Oh no, I know. I guess he was like she'd have to be young because they're going to sacrifice her and if she's young, then it's funny, but it's also yeah. a bit like, eh. And it's very much, uh, this was written in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. 80s, 70s. The 80s was, like, the worst. Yeah. It was pretty bad mm. now as well, but yeah. I... Oh, obviously. No, but I I'd like to like think if Terry Pratchett wrote this today, yeah. he wouldn't write it yeah. this way. No, I agree. Well, I don't remember that happening in any other yeah. book. There's no other, like, teen weddings, as far as I can recall. Thank God. Yeah. Hmm. I know Kanina in a couple books is quite young, but I don't think it like specifies. And also, I don't think she gets married to an eighty-year-old man. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be fine with it if she was like in her twenties, because then it'd be like, haha, you know. Funny. Funny. Age difference. <laughs> He's really fucking old. Yeah. Yeah. I think in in any uh, any way you look at it, it would have been like kind of a dated thing that was funny in the 80s and maybe not anymore yeah or it shouldn't even have been funny in the first place in the 80s the whole joke about Kern is just that he's old <laughs> he's just yeah. an old man <laughs> the joke of Kern old yeah 
I don't even remember what happens to Bethan. Um, no idea. Because later on, back. yeah, what? he... In this book, specifically, or...? Well, no, at the it, later in the series, because Cohen shows up again. Oh, does he? Okay, because yeah, I assume... Yeah, he, he's in... Well, because Kanina's in um, Sorcery, so I thought um, that was their daughter, that she was their daughter. Or was she from a previous lady? <laughs> yeah, I think she's from a previous one, because I think... She's um, too old. I don't think... Yeah, exactly. She's I don't like think 15. enough time has passed. She's like the same age as Bethan. <laughs> I don't think sorcery happens like 20 years after this. I think it's more like five. Yeah. Although I do like that in this book it mentions that it's been an entire year since they left Ankh-Morpork. Yeah. They've just been like getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. They've just been hanging out. Just just two bros. Luckily we do see Two Flower again. I love Two Flower. Um, but only briefly, which is sad. <laughs> yeah. I want him to stay in the rest of the series. I want them to settle down somewhere. I want him well, to be in every book. Get married. Yeah. Yeah. I want Two Flower to meet like Sam Vimes and Granny Weathervex. That would have been pretty good. Normally he just goes to like countries that Terry Pratchett wants to make fun of. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, let's go to Fantasy Australia. Yeah, that's the whole uh, joke of Rincewind. Let's go to Fantasy China. What other Rincewind books are there? The Last Hero I think, also I has think that's him all in. of them. Yeah. Because in The Last Hero, that's about Ko and the Barbarian trying to blow up the gods. That's good. Um, I do like that. And Rincewind's in that. In that one, Rincewind goes to the moon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they've got a moon? Yeah, I haven't read The Last Hero. Uh, I haven't read Unseen Academicals. And I think I read all the other Rincewinds. I don't think he's in Unseen Academicals. Oh, that's even... Okay. Or is he? You know, I actually can't I think, remember. I think I've read it I like twice. I think Wikipedia says he has like a minor cameo appearance in it. Yeah, because he becomes the it's... head of Cruel and Unusual Geography. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I think <laughs> it is listed in, in the Rincewind series, but just simply because they can't fit it into another one. Yeah, it's mainly, it's mostly about other characters yeah. who are unrelated yeah, it's the classic Terry Pratchett isn't interested in Rincewind, which I will call him out for it again. Like, it's that's your fault <laughs> if, if the character you created isn't appealing to you. Just make him better. Because like, the things he complains about is like, I don't really like writing Rincewind because he doesn't really have a motivation, doesn't really have an yeah. internal monologue. And just give him one then. Like, yeah, just you're in one. charge, my dude. <laughs> you can do what you want. It's your character. You can make it up as you go along. I'm reading the page for Unseen Academicals and it has a list of themes. Ooh. Okay. Um, which is football, bracket soccer, <laughs> athletic teams, sports fandom, fashion and modelling, college rivalry, university traditions, racial insecurity, self-worth and crab mentality. Crab, okay. Oh, like crab Okay, bucket. so it's yeah, about okay. England or like the UK. Yeah. It's about being an orc. Is it like a book set at uni? Yeah, it's about um, university football. Oh, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the great game of football and how great it is and how everyone should love football because it's great. It's that is good. just the experience of, of being at a Welsh uni and everybody play, like loving the rugby boys, but the rugby boys are awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't wait to share my thoughts about that. I so don't. everyone watches rugby, but the rugby boys are the rugby boys are all racist. So I don't know. actually like football when I'm like among Germans because uh, German football fans suck. But 
Well, most football fans yeah. kind of English suck. football fans. Also. But I will, I will defend uh, football when, like, when, like, I'm talking to Americans. Like, I will say that football is the real football. Yeah. Oh, it is hundred percent. You got it. I mean, if you're gonna try and if you're gonna make a game that you're calling football and it's neither football mm-hmm. or rugby, but it's sort of trying <laughs> to be both, it's just gonna be shit. Like. <laughs> Do they even use their feet in American football yeah, apart from kickers. like kicking it occasionally? Well, every once yeah. in a while, but like it's not but, like, the main they don't thing they're doing. Use their feet like yeah, they do in football. They they run on it. Know? Yeah, yeah. It is just kind of like and they weird kick rugby. the ball like twice in a game. It's like rugby, but you get damaged a lot more. <laughs> I mean, you get pretty damaged in rugby, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's like when people say, oh, the, but they have all those big defences, and it's like those like shoulder cages are offensive. They are not for yeah. protecting your body. They are for slamming into other people. And it's also like a lot more money goes into it than into rugby. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like football American is, or really like American odd. football is mainly a, mainly a political really, thing. I've yeah. seen Friday Night Lights. I know how seriously they take like college football. Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> Yeah, it's extremely... Like, college sports is taken extremely seriously in America somehow, and I will never yeah, understand which is wild. it. Like, not in a way that, oh, I don't understand, I'm, I don't want to understand it or whatever. It just works on a completely different, like, logic or completely different, like, political system than, uh, yeah. than like, college politics or, like, university politics would work here. It's because yeah. the Americans love their propaganda, and if they do loads of college sports, they can send loads of people to the Olympics and wear mm-hmm. like, American flags. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's what I think. Okay. Of anyway, <laughs> this is the Lucy theory. Yeah, because like our our university sports is like basically school sports. Yeah, <laughs> like that's how serious it is. It's the same level, except I think even American school sports is more serious. I don't know. Probably. Maybe if you go to a private school, it's a bigger deal. I know, like. I know, like, Oxbridge takes rowing really seriously. I mean, I don't know. The dance sports circuits are quite serious. Like, you, okay. the people who do those... I mean, the thing is, the people who do those usually have been doing it for years anyway, and they have, like, shit mm. tons of money. It's like a rich person's sport. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because you have to afford the dresses and the competition and the shoes yeah, and the true. lessons. And, and the fake tan. And the fake tan. Well. It's so, like, yeah. Can't, can't believe that's necessary. It's, it's not necessary, it but it's like, encouraged. <laughs> yeah. I, because I do like Latin uh, formation. And for some reason, in like individual Latin dancing, you don't really do 10 unless you're in a really high, you're really high ranking. But in formation tournaments, you still do it. And I hate mm. it. Like, besides the <laughs> insensitivity thing, it's also just takes so long to apply it yeah and like it's just smells bad and you stain your clothes if you sweat when you've got fake tan on that's it (laughs) that's so wild i remember when you used to just turn up and you'd be orange suddenly and i was like all right lucy's trying a new thing yeah (laughs) i want to look like a bit different to how she normally looks (laughs) but like a few years ago we also like everyone also like uh spray painted their hairs black uh, and yeah. we, oh my god we stopped doing that that's good so, <laughs> may, that's insane you know, maybe things will <laughs> Why? improve people don't I don't know if people still spray paint their hair I know a couple people who do dye their hair who are like on the professional circuit yeah um, and they always dye it darker and like people will gel it so much that it's black mm-hmm. and like wet looking so I don't know to be honest, I have never done competitive sports apart from like some minor gymnastics stuff when I was younger so I don't really... Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's, get it much. 
you know, it's uh, and especially competitive team sport is like it's like fun. That seems more fun, you know. Yeah, it is fun. It's, it's uh, but there's it's also nice a lot a of it team. that sucks about it. But it's it I is. know. I I watched Cheer on Netflix, so that's how I imagine um, it is. I mean, I'm just like, breaking their arm all the time. <laughs> it's like if you watch sports anime, like it's it's that. Oh shit! Okay, so everyone's like playing volleyball, and then it pauses, and they're like, oh, "Yeah, amazing. exactly." He hit the ball slightly to the left, thus <laughs> utilizing the blind spot he noticed that his opponent had acquired due to the small damage he did to his eye earlier in the day when he accidentally ran into a door, just like that. That's exactly what's anime. happening, yeah. I love Haikyuu. <laughs> I still haven't watched it, I need to watch it. I do, I, I, I have seen Chihayafuru, which is exactly that, but with card, with card game. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that with just like, Yu-Gi-Oh? No, it's not like Yu-Gi-Oh, no. it's like they read a poem... And then, like, there's, there's like, 100 poems or, like, yeah, and for 50 of them, there's cards where the second half of the poem is on the card and they read out the first half of the poem and then you need to, like, take the card that says that. But then there's, like, they do it, like, competitively, so it's, like, you need to develop, like, an arm technique where you can hit the card faster than the opponent or where you can recognize it from the first syllable uh, already. That's insane. <laughs> That's such an amazing idea for a game. It's yeah, and it's it's the 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 kind of sport that you know you can't even play outside of Japan. Poems <laughs> are <laughs> in Japanese, and it's yeah. The whole syllable thing is like only works because of the way Japanese works. Yeah, it's a great show, though. Okay, okay so light fantastic, <laughs> light fantastic. Back to the topic at hand. Um, we started like talking about the book pretty early, and then got sidetracked again. Yeah. Got confused by unseen academicals and the idea of competitive sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this book is about... What is the theme of this book, would you say? I don't know. There's Love. some ideological stuff about religion towards friendship. the end. I don't know. Friendship. It is about friendship. It's about the yeah. love between men. Yes. <laughs> Man love, if you will. Um, it's about dentistry. Yes, it's mm. about how most heroes just want to have good facilities. Mm. <laughs> um, should we go over what happens not giving up in the face of adversity <laughs> I think that's yeah. an important theme perseverance yeah yeah. nobody does seem like at this point uh, pinning down a theme is like as useful as pinning down a theme in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure like it's yeah. you know um, there are many themes in Jojo's Bizarre, bizarre Adventure like hating women yeah <laughs> 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 and being really strong which I think are the most important themes <laughs> I think well yeah because there's the theme in this like oh you should put the greater good over your own needs with like Rincewind at the end but then the pub, the rest of the public in the book aren't doing that like Angmore mm-hmm. Porkians are not doing that and never will really no So, and I guess theme... like it's about getting over the wizard that bullied you in high school yeah it's about saying fuck you to your teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Because, you know, the teachers end up being turned to stone by evil magic, so it serves yeah. them right, really. I think it's also about not being power hungry. Yeah, which I think is... Th- that's like a general It's definitely theme, yeah. a theme yeah. with his books. Power. Well, we've gone over the themes. Should we go over the facts? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do a really quick summary. Okay, let's go. And because I think the summary is like most of the time people have either 
read the book or don't care that much about the plot details. Yeah. Or they're, <laughs> um, like, they're like Evan, that they only listen to the first like 15 to 20 minutes where we don't talk about the book. Is that what he does? That's yes. Funny. Um, <laughs> I'm going to trick him into listening to more of this one because we do go on a ramble about sports yeah. for a while. And that's yeah. after discussion. So. Oh, God, that's important stuff that he, Americans will love. He actually yeah. likes football, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, losing listeners left and right. Um, okay. <laughs> so, Do your summary, King. Yeah, Rinse Wind. He finds some trolls. He's talking to them. They have a prophecy that he would come and talk to them and they have to help him. Herenna the Hennahead Herodin kidnaps Two Flower and the gang, who aren't Rinse Wind. They get tied up and they are in a cave. Uh, the trolls inform Rincewind this cave is in fact the mouth of old grandpa, the biggest troll. They go to escape and they all have some shenanigans and they manage to get out of the troll's mouth. Um, then what happens? <laughs> so they, like, the gang runs away um, and then they camp and then Rincewind says to Two Flower, look, I think you and I should go out on our own. We don't need Cohen and Bethan. Which to me reads as um, Rincewind wants more one-on-one time with Two Flower. So they leave and then immediately get found again by kidnapped. her and, yeah. and kidnapped. Yeah. But it's okay because the power of friendship prevails and uh, the luggage and Bethan and Cohen come to save them and they join up again. Yes, they do. And when they get out of the troll, there's a bunch of diamonds because um, troll's teeth are made of diamonds and Cohen like gathers it all up. And they end up in a town, and Cohen gets some dentures made out of diamonds. Um, but there's all these people around, because this big red star is getting bigger and scarier. And now people have decided that this is a cult. And there's a bunch of people drawing stars on their heads and, like, on doors and stuff. And the magic is actually leaking out of the world because of the star. So all the wizards aren't able to use magic anymore. And they've all been murdered by the star cultists. Which is cool. <laughs> uh, and Rincewind has some deep thoughts about it where he's like, wow, this is like really scary. And death is there. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand this death of the mind stuff. Very confusing to me. Yeah, this is where I put in like um, capital letters in my notes. What are Terry Pratchett's thoughts on religion? I mean, I guess <laughs> this is def- this is. I We're guess- never going to find out. No. I suppose <laughs> this is more of like a doomsday cult than it is like... Yeah, because they believe in, like, burning things yeah. and purity <laughs> and, like, wiping stuff clean. And they don't believe in the gods anymore. This was another highlight and, for me where they're talking about the book burning and, like, having book bonfires and all the purity stuff. And Cohen's mm-hmm. really, like, annoyed at the book bonfires, but not because they're burning books. It's because they're not burning them efficiently enough. Yeah, and they're really, wasting you can material. make one book last for months. Yeah. Well, you use it as toilet paper is the joke. (laughs) So he's like, why are you burning these when this is nice soft paper that you could be taking around with you on the road? Because, you know, heroes just want facilities. Um, (laughs) I do like Terry Pratchett taking a brave anti-book stance. (laughs) (laughs) If only other authors were as brave to say fuck books. Um, Start using my old (laughs) copies of Harry Potter as Lou Roll. Oh, hell yeah. So they hide from these cultists in a shop, but then the shop disappears and it turns out to be a magic shop, which um, appears and disappears in like strange corners of cities. Um, Rincewind sees a cigar holder with like a seashell house that's like a souvenir and he's like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Because he's a tourist. Um, <laughs> His tourist senses tingle. Yeah. He's like, I love this tourist trash. Um, and the shopkeeper says that he was cursed to run a shop forever and never close because he, like, was rude to a customer and, like, sucked his teeth and was deliberately being obtuse. So now he's cursed. I do like the idea of that happening, though. I love the thought of uh, just, like, the way they described it and him being like, sorry, I've not got that in stock, squire. It's a nice, <laughs> good stuff to me. British people be saying squire. Well, it's, um... It's wrong, though, because ultimately customers are the devil and should be the ones who are cursed. Um, yeah, so the shopkeeper takes them back to Aunt Moorpork, apart from Cohen, who went to get his dentures, and also a wedding ring, because he's getting married to Bethan, who is 17. It's fine. Um, it's funny. And uh-huh. while well, he's there, <laughs> he's, attacked uh-huh. by cult- he's attacked by cultists, uh, but he defends himself with, by being cunning. And with the help of a dwarf who... Does he turn up later? He sort of is around. He's the shopkeeper. He's around. And he's like, yeah, as as a dwarf, I've experienced many terrible things in my life. People Mm. are very horrible. Um, He's experienced dwarf racism. Yeah, and... Yeah, exactly. And he's about to experience more. (laughs) Yes. And him and Cohen escape, and then they are trying to find the others, and Cohen talks to the luggage, and the luggage basically rides them to Angmorpork. Well, they ride the luggage to Angmorpork. Because um, he runs very fast. Mm. And it wants to get back to Two Flower, obviously. Because this is while Rincewind, Two Flower, and Bethan are in like the magic pop-up shop. The shop gets them to Angmorpork, and Rincewind immediately knows that they're there because he can smell it. Um, Two Flower can't tell, though, because he doesn't have a sense of smell. <laughs> this is just a very weird fact that is mentioned. <laughs> But kind of goes with his character of like not noticing things because he doesn't have taste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, Triman is doing some normal stuff. Uh, he's got the wizards who are now they're all being attacked. The university is being attacked by rioters um, who are worried about the star because it's getting very close now and it's very hot. Um, they're trying to get into the university, so the wizards panic and Triman's like, "Let's read the spells in the octavo." So he goes in and he steals the book and locks them in. Rincewind and the gang go into the university and they manage to get in through a side entrance that students made to sneak out and go drinking, which is good. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) Rincewind opens the door that the wizards are locked in using a spell while using magic and his brain, which is very (laughs) impressive. And everyone's like, wow, Rincewind did magic, except they're not. No one appreciates it. (laughs) Yes. Um, while everyone else's magic isn't working, Rincewind can still do some stuff because the spell's in his brain and it's, like, still working. They run to up the Tower of Art, which is the big tower in the university, to stop Triman. And he's there and he's fine. <laughs> he's normal. He's just a human. <laughs> he's all right. He's just a guy. Uh, I've seen a quote like, from well, the scene about Triman that says his eyes were empty holes, but he's doing good. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the thing about Discworld is if there's too much magic in one place and it's all concentrated then it can leave a hole in the world for demons from the dungeon dimension except they're not they're more like beings from the dungeon dimension to get through and they're very horrible and like Lovecraftian and terrifying and they're not even evil they're just like cruel and weird etc so they're like oh no what's going on um, where, but it's fine, there's nothing there this is just Triman and he's alright um, 
And then the wizards go up and they're like, well, I guess he's our leader now because they're all fucking followers. And they go where the power is. But when they get up there, they all end up being turned to stone by Trimen, <laughs> who is inhabited by demons. Uh, Rincewind's like, well, nothing we can do. Um, but Two Flower goes to fight him with a sword because Two Flower's the best. And Rincewind, like, is like, well, I should run away, but follows him anyway because he loves him and he's going to help. And then they fight Trimen with a sword and using a lot of punching. Rincewind does his fight technique, which is just, like, windmill your arms and smack them as much as possible. It seems um, to work. Briefly and briefly ends up in, like, the dungeon dimensions and in a big coliseum and they're all, like, watching as he fights this, like, monster with loads of tentacles and, like, protuberances and insect legs. And he starts winning, actually, because it's pretty physically weak. So they end up back in the real world again. He defeats it. It goes down the stairs. He's hanging off a ledge. Um, Two Flower stops him from falling, but they're both just sort of hanging there because Two Flower doesn't have the strength to pull him up. Um, so they just chat for a bit <laughs> as they as they wait. Yeah, and it's very nice. It's, it's a good moment between them. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Two Flower almost learned sarcasm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Cohen and Everong finds them and goes to help and like pulls them up and. He's like, can I help? And Rincewin is about to say something snarky and unhelpful, but Two Flower's like, no, I'm just, just help him. <laughs> Please don't make me go through this. Uh, yeah, and then they get the book, and the book is, now that Triman's dead, the spells are all back in the octavo. So Rincewin reads them, but gets one syllable wrong, so nothing happens, but then Bethan helps him. And Two Flower gets the right syllable, so they can say all the spells out loud. And that causes these big moons that are going round the big star, to hatch and eight tiny discords come out. It was all just about reproduction in the end. Yeah. Moon is egg. <laughs> and, um, Moon is egg. Moon is egg, which, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, red star, Moon is egg. Wow, huh. it's just like a song of ice and fire. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I, I hate to bring this back up, but Lucy pointed out before we recorded that it's also just like that Doctor Who episode. I you see I've never seen that Doctor Who episode. It's very bad. Really it's, know what happened. The entire thing is like, oh, the moon the human moon that we have landed on is an egg and something's going to hatch out of it. But that thing could be really evil or it could not be really evil and it probably will kill everyone, but isn't it just a baby? And so they don't kill it and the whole episode is like <laughs> this really awful pro-life metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, I love. Oh, it's great. I love to see it on my children's shows. It was, it was not written by Stephen Moffat. I don't remember who wrote it. If it's Neil Gaiman, I'm probably gonna... some hag. <laughs> Let's find out. Moon Ooh. egg. Doctor, Doctor Who moon egg episode. <laughs> I literally don't. The know moon. It's an egg. The moon. Such garbage. Like called. I will say this as someone whose like first fandom obsession was Doctor Who. I hate it so much. I was never... I liked it, but only in, like, a casual basis. Yeah. I was, like, a Doctor Who casual. Yeah, I but was, you're British. Was, yeah. I know. So I think it's, like, when someone gets into Doctor Who who's, like, from outside Britain, it's gonna be, like, a oh, okay. thing. Yeah, because for us it's just something you watch on a Saturday when you're a kid because that's just what you do. Yeah. It's Kill the Moon Season 8, Episode 7. Yeah, it's written, written by, by Peter Harness. Peter Harness. I he doesn't seem to have done like he did. He wrote for Warlander. He has written some other bad Doctor Who episodes. Oh, which ones? Let's find out. 
the Zygon invasion. Oh, that was the worst! <laughs> was that one? It was like this long three-parter thing about Zygons invading. and they Yeah, like, it they was a like... big thing because finally Zygons are back again in Doctor Who. They haven't appeared since the 70s. What was a Zygon? <laughs> it's like a big tentacly red triangle creature. It looks kind of like Patrick Starfish if he was disgusting. Yeah, it's, okay, it's like I one of the classic Doctor Who <laughs> monsters because they did like a lot of like practical makeup yeah. on that. Uh, so they just and have, like, like the original, faces. like the first Zygon episode from the seventies, is actually pretty good. Well, I evidently don't know that much about Doctor <laughs> Who, uh, but I don't think those episodes were very good at all because it was like three episodes that were kind of connected yeah. about the Zygons and like loads of characters got replaced and I didn't real really understand. What oh was yeah, happening. yeah, right. Like the the thing was with... that the Matt Smith series? No, that was Capaldi, I think. Oh, okay. I stopped watching after the. Statue of Liberty <laughs> was, a, was, a, was a weeping <laughs> angel, and that's where I stopped. Do not get that's me like started good, on that episode. Good shit from Mr. Moffat. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. remembered, like, the deal with Zygons was that they can... They, they're, like, these disgusting-looking creatures, but they can also, like, shapeshift, which saved them a ton of budget okay. in the 70s because their villains could just be, like, the regular human actors. Mm. Uh, and they just I like needed to uh, turn back into Zygons, like, at the end of the episode. I'm a uh, Christopher Eccleston purist. I only like Christopher Eccleston. Okay. I don't like anyone else. I'm, I mean, he was a, good. I think the show Tom, was Tom explicitly was leftist really good. in those seasons. It was, exactly, and that's why I liked it. Um, also, I did appreciate the weird plastic um, shopkeeper dummies uh -huh. that were evil, yeah. because, yeah. <laughs> Me too. That's how I feel about shop dummies. <laughs> um, where were we? Moon egg. Oh, are we talking moon about Doctor Who? Okay, <laughs> so the moons hatch and um, tiny discs come out and Greater Twins like, ah, oh, nice. Um, so he start, she, I don't know. They start moving away from the star because it's it's all like, that's what the whole purpose was, was basically for reproduction, which goes into what they were talking about in the first book. It's mm? like an incubator star, kind of. Yeah, basically, which I don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't know how it works, but I don't know. Doesn't matter really. Uh, great Atuan is mysterious. Yeah, I mean they're you, they're basically like planets, so who knows how that whole magical system stuff works? So it's basically all over, and Rincewind has successfully saved the world, which is pretty cool. Thank you, Rincewind. Thank you, Rincewind. Unfortunately, all of the head wizards are now made of stone, um, so there's a bit of a power vacuum, but. I'm sure there'll be some good people coming into power soon who we'll all love to read about. <laughs> the librarian's fine. He's still an orangutan and will be forever because he likes it. He likes it. Mm -hmm. He's a furry. <laughs> exactly. Cohen and Bethan and presumably go off and get married and they sort of, they're gone now. Uh, Rincewind is helping rebuild the university and he's like, maybe I can make something of myself now. And Two Flower decides to go home. In a boat, because, you know, he's achieved all that he wanted to achieve. Yeah. He's seen loads of stuff. You can't, it's been a year. You can't be a, be a tourist when you're always all the way and are never at home to, like, look at your photos. Yeah, you want to remember and be comfortable. Yeah, there's, like, the line about you've never been somewhere until you've come back. Yeah. Yeah. Some some Lord of the Rings stuff, maybe. <laughs> Two Flower goes into the West. <laughs> yeah. Two Flower goes home and he's like, I never went home, not really. <laughs> 
like, you can't go home after you yourself has changed. Um, <laughs> he goes home and Rincent is incredibly upset but is pretending that he's fine, but he's obviously not fine. He's really, really sad about it. Two Flower takes all his stuff out of the luggage and gives the luggage to Rincewind and is like, you you belong to him now. Rincewind tries to get rid of it but feels bad and is like, okay then, you're mine. And that's sort of how it ends. It's really sweet. It's really yeah. it's bittersweet because like Two Flower leaves and he's obviously really upset about it and he's like, watches Rince, uh, Two Flower's ship go into the distance until it's like a dot on the horizon and then starts yelling at the luggage because he's sad and it yeah. reminds him of Two Flower and I'm crying. My sweet boys. My sweet baby boys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, because I'm just... At the same time, I said the Wikipedia page opened up for Doctor Who Killed the Moon and the ratings for it are like some real Doctor Who uh, review shit where like everyone gave it like Damn, four those or are, five those stars. are some five stars. Why? How would you give that episode five stars? I don't remember anything about the plot other than that it was like, um, maybe abortion's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it must be so easy to be a TV reviewer. I know. What's nine point three? IGN rated it nine point three. What was <laughs> what what specifically gave it That's that like, point three? <laughs> nine point three is like point? about the rating that the Godfather Part Two has on IMDb. So you know it's just <laughs> as good. Well, <laughs> horrifying. I hate. Uh, it was a bad episode. Doctor Who's not been good for a yeah. while. I can't imagine it was good because I don't know. It was good in the seventies. <laughs> Yeah, I think it had potential Except to be Except for the part where they did, like, racism. <laughs> I mean, I was never massively into it, but then I was really into Merlin, which is objectively very badly written, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't really throw stones. Yeah. Merlin takes I mean, like, even when I was seriously. into Doctor Who, it was like... That's true. Uh, I had to acknowledge that most of the episodes are very bad. It's just uh, when it was good, it was yeah. so good. But when it was mm-hmm. bad, it was, like, the worst yeah. television I have seen in my life. I just it's a bit like Twilight Zone and like that. Yeah. Yeah, but in the Twilight Zone, you can just like watch the good episodes, you know, because yeah. there's no story or like no overarching story. And even well, that's how even if a Twilight Zone episode I mean, that's is bad, it's Doctor just like Who was two minutes supposed to be. Yeah. Like original Doctor Who didn't have that many overarching plot lines. It was just go place, have adventure. It was like serialized fiction. Yeah. I think it I suffers guess. from well, having was... overarching plot lines. I know people have said this before. But like the monster of the week episodes are the best ones. Like yeah. you don't need to have like yeah. a long plot line about a fucking crack in the wall. I don't care. Like I just don't. And I've already yeah. forgotten what that is. Yeah, so that having having a self contained, like short story plot line I think is difficult but very it can be very good yeah. and Stephen Moffat um, himself was the best at those episodes like that's what he's good yeah. at writing but instead when he became in charge he just decided to like do what he's worst at which is writing overarching plot. plots yeah. and providing there's... resolutions to questions he poses there was just so bad it was so bad and I'm trying to like that last Christmas I guess it's still better than Sherlock it's mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, close I don't think Doctor Who was ever as bad as Sherlock. It's the same show, isn't it? <laughs> it's just the same. It's the same character. At least when Stephen Moffat was writing it, you can only write one male character. It's because he thinks he's that character. Sherlock and Doctor Who, like Matt Smith, Doctor Who are self inserts. I'm yeah. sorry, but See, they Stephen are. Moffat is yeah. not sexist because his male characters are just as bad as his female characters. <laughs> As we said before, he loves quirky, quirky woman, sassy fight good. Yeah. 
I hated Amy Pond so much. She was so mean and horrible. <laughs> yeah, I never really got the like her and Rory's relationship just seems super abusive. She was yeah. fucked up. Do you remember was, when she was infertile? <laughs> she was just awful to him though. I don't really what was the It's because she was infertile. She d- couldn't have babies because she died and then came back or something. Mm-hmm. And then their relationship became terrible because it's terrible when you can't have children. Woof. You can't just adopt children, it's impossible. <laughs> Should have Scarlett Johansson Age of Ultron speech about being monster. <laughs> Exactly. Um, speaking of Age of Ultron and the Avengers canon. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to bring it back. I'm trying to loop it back. Is the Octavo okay. the Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Can you elaborate? Um, I don't know. Can I elaborate? Let's see. Okay, so we have eight spells. And we have mm-hmm. how many Infinity Stones were there? I watched two I have hours no of idea. I don't like and then fell asleep. Um, Infinity Gauntlet. Okay, let's see. There are five stones. Okay. Oh, no, that's the comic. Okay. The only thing that we've established is that I only watch Ryan Murphy shows mm-hmm. and I don't watch anything else. No, I've I mean, seen almost every Marvel movie up to, um, up to the Infinity ones. What was it? Infinity not- War and mm. Endgame. And I don't remember just, any plots. It's there isn't. It's just fighting. It's just fighting, yeah. and then them going back yeah. in time. And I hate Tony Stark. For a while, when you were like still able to go to the cinema, it was like a comfort thing for me to just see the newest Marvel movie because there were like two or three a year, and you could just sit in and uh, turn off your brain. But you knew that you're like. For me, I was like. I know that I'm not gonna like I'm I'm gonna enjoy it most of the time and then I don't have to think about it that much afterwards. I uh, think... So you know, I went to see most of them, but but then like Infinity War and Endgame had to like actually deliver and pretended that they actually do yeah. like dramatic beats and payoffs and whatever and I know like after like... after Endgame I felt like a sense of relief that now it's over and I won't ever have to watch a Marvel movie again even though <laughs> if they still keep making them. Endgame was just very funny because I hadn't seen like a couple of the movies before because I'd sort of lost interest. And there's that one shot of like yeah. all of the female characters advancing on whatever the fuck they're fighting at that given moment. And I was just sat there like, oh, <laughs> now that's Endgame was like two things I would say that are very funny about Endgame is the first of them is... Um, the one that came out before was Captain Marvel, which I actually haven't seen because that was like at the point yes. where I started to fall off Marvel movies. And people yeah. kept telling me, no, but Captain Marvel is yeah. going to be very uh, important for the story and it's going to matter. And yeah. then like in Endgame, she was in it for five minutes because she was so <laughs> OP that they didn't know what to do with her. So they just sent her off to like fight against the alien threats or whatever off screen yeah well because it's like in the the whole entire canon is then building up to fight thanos and then in endgame she kills him in the first five minutes and it's like oh that was pretty easy for her i guess yeah (laughs) the thing about captain marvel is that it's the worst because you end up having a culture war moment where everyone has to defend it because loads yeah. of Nazis are saying that it's bad. But in reality, it's just probably bad anyway. No, but it's super manufactured that <laughs> way, that they're gonna, like, it's the same as, like, Disney casting um, casting a black yeah. Ariel so that they can manufacture backlash against it so that you're gonna have to be on their side 
because otherwise you'll be racist. Yeah. Yeah, when it's probably just going to be a bad movie. Yeah. Um, like Ghostbusters remake. And it's like, yeah. I don't want to watch... I don't want to feel like I'm being pressured to consume things for political reasons. Especially as it's like military feminism, which... <coughs> Is that a thing? That's a thing now, I guess. This is the best sort of feminism. <laughs> Weaponized um, feminism. My favourite feminism is pro-military yeah. feminism. <laughs> I The thing about Marvel movies is, though, that they've all had a huge amount of military funding anyway. So basically, they're all military propaganda. Apart from maybe Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah, Ragnarok was was the one that's, I guess, good. Because... It was, it was just Yeah, I enjoyed fun. it. Yeah. I like it because it has like ATZ sort of electronic music and bright colors, <laughs> which is all I look for in a movie. Yeah. So I mean, Taika Waititi has turned out to be a bit of a liberal, but the, it was inevitable. Can, it's because he's got money he can now. Still make funny, <laughs> write funny jokes into his movies, which yeah. is like, you know, I'm not gonna like defend him as a celebrity, but he can still make good stuff, I guess. Uh, the other thing yeah, I was I gonna say so. about Endgame, the other thing that's very funny about it is the gay representation. Is there? Oh my god, Joe Russo yeah, being like a gay interviewer. Yeah. Exactly. And that <laughs> and that character what? is played by one of the directors of the movie as a cameo and they built it up as like there was before the movie they announced it as this is going to have the first canonically gay character in a Marvel movie. And then it was like if you mm-hmm. if you like if the person sitting next to you is eating their popcorn too loud, you're going to miss the entire gay rap of the movie. It's like a, I mean, it's a support like group all those movies. for like the loved ones of people who got snapped yeah. by Thanos. And Joe Russo sat there like, well, I miss my husband. And you yeah. know what? I weeped. <laughs> oh, everyone's <laughs> it so it's, like um, it's like in Rise of Skywalker, where apparently there was like a lesbian scene. But when I watched it, I just didn't notice. And then I completely forgot about it until afterwards. And I was like, when was I that? I saw it because I, I was looking notice. for it. Granted, I was incredibly drunk when I watched Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> the only way to watch it. So I don't, I don't remember a lot of that movie, but I did not care for the bits I do remember. Mm. I remember the Snoke tank. I think about that often. Snoke tank's good. Uh, big claw. I remember <laughs> Kylo Ren coming back from the dead, laughing for some reason. Um, I don't think he does that. No, no, no. He no. Ray is dead. And then he gives her his life force, and they both just like laugh at each other for a bit, and then he dies. Well, kiss as well, which. <laughs> Yeah, they kiss. Well, yeah, then they kiss. Or they kiss to do life force. I don't know. It's stupid. Bad movie, in my opinion. I have not seen it. Don't. <laughs> yeah, don't bother. <laughs> I didn't want to, but my parents made me. I probably like won't see a Star Wars, a new Star Wars ever again. That's the other thing that's like I have to come to grips with, like, because I was so excited in like twenty sixteen. Yeah. When. Yeah. Or like the year, even the years before it, like as, as soon as for it was announced that Disney is going to make new Star Wars movies for the first time after like the bad prequels. After like 10 whole yeah. years. <laughs> I was so excited and it was the, the one thing I was looking forward to the whole year. And then I pretended that I liked uh, The Force Awakens and then The Last Jedi was pretty good. Uh, and then nobody ever made a Star Wars movie ag- ever again. <laughs> That's crazy that that yeah. happened and no one ever made a third one. Yeah. The thing is, is when I first watched The Force Awakens, I think I did like it because, again, I hadn't like got any sort of critical skills yet. Yeah. And then it was only later when I was like, oh. 
No, and I really wanted to like it. Like this was the one thing I was looking forward to. So I went yeah, in exactly. knowing that I was gonna like it and I liked it. Because Yeah, me too. I didn't want to I just waste think JJ Abrams can't write. <laughs> I just it's the obsession with blood. <laughs> Yeah. Blood? Oh, you meant bloodlines, yeah. yeah. Just give it up. Just, who cares? <laughs> well, that's the thing, but also because J.J. Abrams does this thing, he calls mystery box writing, which is where he writes every story with, like, a mystery box, and the plot is around what's in the box, and he doesn't actually know what's in the box when he writes it. He said this in a in an essay. He's like, it doesn't matter what's in the box, it's all about, like, whoa, yeah. what's in the mystery box? And what that means is that everything he writes ends up with there being, like, basically nothing in the box, and then everyone's like, well, the ending really sucked, mm. because he doesn't actually, he's not saying anything, <laughs> he just has a mystery. Yeah. It's like, but not like J.J. Abrams is like the dark side of Alfred Hitchcock, I guess. What for, yeah. Well, no, because the whole thing with Hitchcock is it's showing you what's there. Yeah. And then being like, ooh, but but they don't know it's there. You know, there's a bomb there, but they don't know. Whereas J.J. Abrams is like, wow, what's up with this island? It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it can be re- intriguing, but it, there's needs, there needs to be like, you know, I'm really enjoying Higurashi now. And there's a ton of questions yeah. there. But it needs to be written with like answers in mind and not like, I'm gonna wing it at the end. <laughs> well, I think with, like, Higurashi and that sort of stuff is there's almost... The mystery is, like, thematic. It's yeah. a thematic mystery. Um, whereas with J.J. A- Abrams' stuff, I'm not sure there's a theme. I don't think he knows what the, the theme, theme is. is. He's just epicness. writing spoiler stuff. Also, I heard about him when he was directing The Force Awakens, is he said that their ethos was that everything had to be delightful. What? And every time they did something, they had to be like, is this delightful, though? How can we make this yeah. delightful? <laughs> and that's the worst way of filming anything. It makes me want to I'm die. I'm going to condo my storytelling by everything I write. Does this spark joy? Does this yeah. spark Does delight? Does this spark joy? He's like, will this make the nerds at home mm-hmm. be like, oh, it's the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> which is not how you write stories. This feels like such a, dis- like such a distinctly <gasps> okay. 21st century way of making movies so it's fan service we've like reached on to this weird like postmodern way of doing narratives we're just like i don't know they just start off bad it's, and there's no it's fan it needs service. to be grown in it's a lab to like, appeal to the largest common denominator well it's a medium becomes message thing you know i'm gonna do movie movie has this look movie yeah um those half the time I just think people can't write movies anymore. Well, this is the thing. They have all this power and they keep fail- failing upwards because it's so hard to get into the industry. Is it writing or editing? Why Why are films the way they are at the moment? They seem to be barely stories. We saw Artemis Fowl the other day <laughs> and that was not a film. But I'd still rather watch that than Rise of Skywalker because I have no investment in Artemis Fowl. Oh, also Artemis Fowl was only 90 minutes long and Rise of Skywalker was like two and a half yeah. hours long. <laughs> It's just not worth it. <sighs> Should we get back to the Sorry, life just, I have a lot of feelings about bad movies. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Look, this is, a, this is a media analysis podcast, so... <laughs> I hate J.J. Abrams. This is the thing. It's, it's, all, it's all, all related to... Everything is related. It's, you know, postmodernism. Yeah. It's a jumping off point, you yeah. know. <laughs> We're comparing J.J. Yeah. Abrams to Terry Pratchett because Pratchett would never do that. No, because he cares about the story. I mean, even in his books that arguably don't have a plot, like <laughs> The Colour of Magic, apparently, <laughs> um, it still has characters, and it still has worth, and there's still, like, interesting stuff. 
Yeah, and he's doing something. You can see what he's talking about with all the fantasy stuff, and he's not just... I don't know. He's not even writing for a specific audience, I think. He's just writing something a bit... You know, it's a parody, and it's something a bit new. And like with this one, it's like, oh, what if I did fantasy, but it's a comedy, but also it's sort of serious, and it's sort of this story and I'm sort of saying stuff which becomes more and more like Terry Pratchett branding as it goes on which is how can I say serious things but as a joke in a way that tricks people into thinking it's not serious do we have like any more general things to say about this because I have like some discussion questions from the internet um I read in my notes magic is greater than sex Oh yeah. Yes. That- which is more on that rinse when having orgasms thing, which is still yeah. yeah. I'm turning, I'm turning it over in my mind. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about it. Thinking about that person who wrote, did that YouTube video about who's really horny for uh-huh. rinse. <laughs> oh yeah, I found the quote. Rinse knew what orgasms were, of course. He'd had a few in his time, sometimes even in company, but nothing in his experience even approximated to this tight hot moment where every nerve in his body screamed Oof. blue white fire and raw magic had blazed forth from his fingers <laughs> okay so yeah <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start picking this apart <laughs> I think it's good I think it's good stuff good writing thank you Terry. I mean thank it you, does Mr. explain Project. why you would go to all that travel to be a wizard when it seems awful and I mean, un- unuseful yeah. No, but it's like being being a wizard, like if you make it, it's like being a useless academic. That's true. Mm. And that's fun in its own way, I assume. Yeah. Mm. Like I, I really I really feel <laughs> like really. the wizards in the later books are uh are just like having a great time. <laughs> well they just have big dinners yeah. and hang out mostly and avoid doing any sort of real work exactly which is just academia I mean, that's yeah. what I to me. they do it like oxford and stuff or even at durham i mean you you yeah. know, like when you guys sit down to like high table or you guys go to meals <laughs> and there's people at the high table who are those people i yeah. don't know they're high table i don't know i got to be on high table once in um gray college just- they're like visitors and like the the head of the college and then like some people who live in the college i don't know i don't know how the system works really absolutely um yeah i imagine them as being like oxford dons basically they've got like tenure and they don't actually have to do anything they get to walk on the grass yes british universities are dumb that's stupid (laughs) (laughs) but in university (laughs) (laughs) that's right i'm an anti-intellectual now also, like the other, the other thing about the orgasm quote, because it says, "Yeah, sometimes even in company." So is is like, is Rincewin just cranking it all the time? I don't know. I don't know if this is like, what does it mean by in company? What is implied by this? I don't. I mean, does he know women? I don't think he knows women. <laughs> he doesn't like women much, no. does he? I think he's kind of like. He's just gay. Like, I mean, <laughs> and the that's the only conclusion I can yeah. come to. Yeah. And if you if you're a little gay wizard at wizard school, in a group of other little gay wizards, I mean, mm-hmm. it's university, okay. isn't it? Anything goes. I'm just saying he's been traveling with Two Flower for an entire year. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. I would also like say that Rinsman also like doesn't seem to have friends either. No. 
he knows people, but that seems about it. Yeah. So, I mean, the only conclusion I'm able to draw is that he's been... It's just been him and Two Flower. That's what... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're on a boat for ages, so... <laughs> In the Navy, you know. <laughs> Not much to do. Okay, so <laughs> you know, how do you think they, they were doing it? <laughs> <laughs> what, like, what positions? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm searching. I'm looking at <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is some fan fiction about this, but I let me just find if I for some reason I first the first suggestion when I start typing an archive of our own is uh, once love fanfics because I looked them up as a I looked them up as a joke once. Okay, sure. And it's still like the first thing Google Chrome suggests me. So thanks. This one, um, this one on AO3 is called You Think So and says Two Flower says he's leaving. Lots of things happen after that, probably in a different way than you remember them. And the tag says, fix it, since the Light Fantastics ending need me in the soul. I mean, me too. I think people understand you, Lucy. I think this is a, this is a universal I'm glad feeling. it's not just me. The ones that, like, I'm scrolling through the Rincewind Two Flower fix and the ones that seem to be explicit are in the rough <laughs> The Russians love it. Interesting. I wonder if the Russian translation's like a little bit mm-hmm. um, gayer. Although that, I, mm, probably not. There's one called Guided Meditation by Astro Junk. It's, uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the texts for this is two bros chilling on a beach five feet apart because they're gay and afraid <laughs> of intimacy. <laughs> I think that's good. That's very true of them. Though. They're just so, they're scared to talk about their feelings with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Is- well, we know Rincewind is. And Two Flowers seems to know him pretty well by the end. Yeah. Um, There's that. I highlighted this one quote about Two Flower that I really liked um, from like Rincewind thinking. It's like, that's old Two Flower Rincewind thought. It's not that he doesn't appreciate beauty, he just appreciates it in his own way. I mean, if a poet sees a jackal, he stares at it and writes a long poem. Yeah. But Two Flower wanders off to find a book on botany and treads on it. It's like what Cohen said. He just looks at things, but nothing he looks at is ever the same again, including me, I suspect. And I was like, Yeah, Ooh. I uh-huh. underlined there three times. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. What is it? What is, what is the heterosexual explanation for this, one. Terrence? Mm-hmm. Unless you, unless it's like the people who um, say, "Oh no, we need more male friendships in books and media," even as if oh my that's god, not. Um, <laughs> like a- I was once at a, I was at a barbecue with Perry and George, and Perry g- genuinely said this about Lord of the Rings um, when when I said that Frodo and Sam were in love. He was like, "Yeah, but there needs to be like you know male male <laughs> friendship representation in media." Body cop is a genre, like, uh-huh. but. <laughs> it's like a whole genre, but whatever. <laughs> it's like everything. Never mind. I can't watch Lord of the Rings, any of them, without just thinking, man, these hobbits are gay. I rewatched Fellowship like a couple days ago, and it's just. I mean, I mean, I guess it wasn't written that way, but I think. I mean, it was though because in the book it's a bit like that, yeah. and um, Ian McKellen kept like giving helpful suggestions from the books. Um, he's like, yeah, they embrace in this scene. Or, yeah, he, like, strokes his hair in this scene. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, post-structuralist explanation for this is... It could be, like, you could explain this with just that, like, the the way, like, romance is written has, like, permeated literature in a way that uh, 
intimate friendships are gonna end up being written in the same way even if it's yeah. unintentional. I mean, that's, like, probably the real explanation for it, but... I choose to believe. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's good that George isn't here to spread his homophobia <laughs> over everything, so... <laughs> well, we yeah, cancelled George will... from the podcast for being anti Brent's flower. <laughs> yeah, which is a sin, in my opinion. <laughs> George would not sanction uh, the buffoonery of us talking about how exactly they would have done it. Yeah, he doesn't... Yeah. He's not willing to get into, like, the really serious critical theory. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of really serious critical theory, <laughs> uh, let's let's look at some, like, discussion questions that I found on Quora.online. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a few opened. Let's just ease into something I found while searching the light fantastic. Where can I buy fantastic lighting? That's a good question. <laughs> Like, that's uh, a legit question on that? Or is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> the, like, top answer on this is you can't. You need to design and build yourself. Buy bare LEDs and strips and have at it. Anybody can go to the home store and buy a fixture that looks like any other. So, yeah, you got to get creative to have fantastic lighting, I guess. What the fuck? <laughs> I will say that the light fantastic is named after a line from a John Milton poem, mm -hmm. which I did not know. Oh. Which yeah, because there's also a ton of questions about where does the saying light fantastic come from, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. It's apparently from the Milton poem. Which okay. John Milton yeah. poem? Was it to his coy mistress? Wait, that wasn't Milton. No, it's le le It's called L'Allegro and it's about dancing. Okay, I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll cast my eyes over that later. Interesting. Mm. I think this question we have basically answered, but I'll still ask it. Is the light fantastic? This is number two, Rinswin number two by Terry Pratchett worth the read. I think yes. we said yes. I think so. I'm giving it a thumbs up and at least four stars on Goodreads. Yeah. I'm giving it five stars on Goodreads. <laughs> because what, okay. what does rating mean? You can give you can give nine point <laughs> three stars to a shitty Doctor Who episode. <laughs> That's true. I mean I would give it five stars, but I have read Small Gods, which is gonna affect my opinion of every other Discworld book. No, so four stars from me. I mean, yeah, if you want to be like that, you can give, like, <laughs> five stars to, like, three or four Discord books and have the rest, like, three to four and a half. Yeah, that's how I feel I about it. I think I'm going to five star, my, like, all of them, except maybe Color of Magic, and then I'll just write, like, a nice review mm -hmm. for the best ones. I'll be like, wow, mm -hmm. that was even better. Smiley face. I can't wait for you to read Small Gods and also... I think the truth you like as well. Yeah, but she's not gonna start like like even even when you read. You're not gonna retroactively say like I Rinsu and then Two Flower didn't do it, so because <laughs> they did. I mean, exactly four stars. Yeah. <laughs> four stars, not enough. Yeah, sex if you, if you just rate opinion. the books after how much Rinse Flower content is in them, then this is like this is five stars, and every other one is zero stars. Zero unfortunately it's like four mm. stars for the color of magic five for the light fantastic and mm. nothing maybe that's yeah. just how i'll start rating them like that trying to think if there's any other homoerotic relationships and i uh, can't think of any i think there was something else on the ao3 fig that i just closed yeah rinsewind ponder stevens is also apparently something that yeah is but that's just like that's just a crack ship yeah. that doesn't even make <laughs> sense to me it's just wizard knobs uh <laughs> yeah. God, why isn't this word attack? That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, I I saw like 
Vimes slash Veterinary. Oh, hell <laughs> yeah. One of these. Okay. No, I fuck with that. Okay. I can vibe with that. That seems like it would be kind of kind of fucked up. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's like I guess like like Ritkali, Ritkali and the Bursar or whatever. Hmm. You could make an argument there. We'll see when we get there. I mean, there is that one... Who's the who's the gay wizard? Higgs? Higgs? I don't know. I can't remember. He's in Unseen Academicals, briefly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but all wizards are a bit, you know, sus. <laughs> as, as, the, uh, <laughs> as the heroes would say. Anyway, here's a real thinker of... Uh... There's quite a lot of Vimes Veterinary <laughs> stuff. There's 271. What? I think that's more than there are two flower... The- there's only 13 Rinse and Two Flower it's uh, fan fictions, but there are almost 300 How veterinary vines fan fictions. Um, it's hard to tell because the ratings system on this doesn't really, doesn't really work sense, very well. Yeah. I can't believe there's more. There's four, at least 46 uh, tagged explicit, mm. uh, 84 are teen and up, um, 40 are mature. <laughs> so... At least, okay, like, let's, a substantial let's chunk Let's get of back them. to that when we yeah. <laughs> do another Vimes some of these tag, Some of these tags are very, uh, very, very explicit. Okay, yeah, yeah. so... Here's a, here's a real there? thinker of a question. What is the philosophy of Rincewind? Hmm. Surviving... Question mark? Run really fast, have a brick in a sock for bad situations. Mm. Always wear sandals that you can run out of very quickly. Um, He loves potatoes. That's a theme later on. He He begins to have erotic fantasies about potatoes. (laughs) Interesting. He's like, he really wants to return to Ankh-Morpork all the time. I don't know if that counts as his philosophy. It's like... He wants a quiet life, He has a very um, rigid view of what home is. Yeah. Isa, how about he wants people to stop trying to kill him all the time? <laughs> how about this answer to the this question? Life is not always about heroism, doing extraordinary things, or being the winner always. Life is also about those who do not always win. Who is not ladylike styling? Who is not Richmond is that? <laughs> he yeah, he literally is. He's literally Lady Lux. So I don't know. Who is a yeah. normal man believing in the fundamental simplicity of life, survival. Uh, Runesund holds on to life dearly. Life is precious despite its odds. Yeah, this is basically just that he wants to survive. It's not just the human condition, though. <laughs> well, most people... Yeah, but I guess it's like his priority. Because yeah. some of the heroes are like, oh, my priority is money. Yeah, I guess. Or my priority is... What other? What else do characters want in Discworld? Um, uh, sex. Solving crime. Sex to solve crimes. I want to protect my people in this community from elves. Yeah. Um, you know, death has a different whereas, philosophy, I guess, because the, yeah, it's like understand humanity or whatever. Like that's more about you know learning about humans, while Rincewind is. Like Christian doesn't care about humanity, he just I think he does, but reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to. I think at the core of Rincewind, which is probably because Terry Pratchett doesn't really like writing him otherwise, is just that he does care about people and he wants them to be okay. He just kinda wishes that he didn't and he would just like leave things alone and run away rather than helping people. Mm-hmm. 
but in the end he sort of can't help himself and he does end up trying to save people quite a lot yeah okay let's look at one final that's, that's rinse wins philosophy George says, is humanist yeah he's humanist i tried yeah. to avoid saying the cursed word he <laughs> <laughs> loves humans i mean humanist is just when you're in disc world and you hate humans <laughs> it's like being racist it's when you're a dwarf and you don't want to talk mm-hmm. to humans I mean, right, humans don't treat dwarves very well. So let's we discuss that. like one last quora because I think this is this is a real tough one. Who okay. wins, Rincewind or Dumbledore? Ooh, who does so, win? Okay, right. If it's a duel, then Dumbledore objectively yeah. wins because Rincewind can't do magic. But Dumbledore can never kill Rincewind. Yes. Yeah, why would Dumbledore it's want to fight Rincewind? <laughs> or the other way Rincewind, around? Rincewind... I can see why Rincewind um, would want to fight Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, because he was written by J.K. Rowling. So yeah. I would <laughs> also yeah. want any to fight Any goodwill him. I have towards any J.K. Rowling character is just completely out the fucking window. I mean, that yeah. happened a while ago, but even more so now. Dumbledore is a turf. <laughs> and Rincewind decides to hit him with a brick in a sock. That's not a threat. Joke's parody. <laughs> yeah. Here's like one answer who suggests that Rincewind t- travels with the luggage and the luggage could kill Dumbledore, which I'm very into. Yeah. Yes. I think the luggage could kill anybody in Harry Potter. Absolutely. Yeah, I just eat them probably. Voldemort and his like Horcrux things don't stand a chance against the luggage. You can't yeah. beat a chest made of sapient pearwood. This hmm. this luggage eats turfs. <laughs> Oh, I want to make a sticker of that. That's so good. <laughs> it's so awful um, that I think you should. No, will. That's going to be my art project for the day. And here's an ex- for me absolutely unexplainable answer to this question. I'm just going to read it. Okay. I thought Dumbledore could have caught up with Rincewind because Rincewind was happy to think of himself as a racist. What? What? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's just a joke from one of the books where um, oh. it says Rincewind liked to think of himself as a racist. If anyone tried to catch him, he could run <laughs> farther than f- faster than okay. anyone else. Oh, I see. It's just like an incredibly <laughs> dumb joke. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say it's like earlier um, in the book where people are stealing instruments. Oh, that was a good job. From one of the instrument shops, and Rincewind goes, "Ah, oh, probably looted." I think that's the fun. I. I, I I really laughed at that, and then I got really mad at. <laughs> How dare he! It's it's a classic no, I, one. I think know? it's really good. When I read this book for the first time, like in February, maybe I like highlighted that, and and then told everybody about that joke. It's very funny, it's, but it's it also awful. makes like no sense in fiction. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Sorry, I'm thinking about the racist thing again. Um. More in the sense that I'm imagining Dumbledore not being able to fight Rincewind because you just can't catch him. They're just running. <laughs> um, but Dumbledore can like, has like a, apparate? a stop spell that would stop someone from running. But then again, like a freeze. But now spell. I'm thinking about like what happens in this book and the way Trimon tries to like hit him with magic, and objectively he would win if it if he used magic. But Rincewind just like physically beats the shit out of him. <laughs> Yeah, imagine doing that to Which Dumbledore. I think would work. He's an old man. He's like a hundred and something. So if it came down to a wizard duel, Rincewind would lose, but I think Rincewind could like... Also, Dumbledore's fucking dead, so... 
<laughs> Good luck winning that. <laughs> we just read someone just beating the shit out of his corpse. In the pictures, <laughs> there's like other uh, Discord characters that uh, would presumably fight Dumbledore. So I guess we'll have to. This is just like that. Batman versus Superman. Why are they fighting? <laughs> yeah. Rincewind versus Dumbledore. That would be epic. <laughs> Where's my rap battles? I would go see that. I'd watch it. Everyone would be like, release the cut version where different things happen. <laughs> <laughs> release the JK cut. Yeah. I don't know. The one um, where they're allowed to slay, say uh, transphobic slurs. <laughs> release the turf cut. God, fuck JK Rowling. Yeah. Fuck JK Rowling. I mean, obviously, yes. JK Rowling, if you're listening, we this is not a podcast for you. <laughs> yeah. Go listen to some other shit podcast. <laughs> Fuck J.K. Rowling, all my homies hate J.K. Rowling. Uh-huh. Imagine if she was just trolling looking for a Discord podcast and she did listen to this. I imagine she would Great have been scenes. turned off it earlier than this episode. Yeah, we were like, I hate liberals, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, okay, I found, like... This is an explicitly found... anti-capitalist podcast. I found one more question that we can, like, maybe briefly discuss and then close out on it. Uh, what are the Terry Pratchett books suitable for... 10 to 13 year old girls who are advanced slash voracious readers. So the question is what all are of them. all, all of, of them? Stephanie Eckingbrooks probably, but like, let's just judge this book if it's suitable for 10 to 13 year old girls who are advanced. I mean, I read readers. it when I was 10 to 13 and I was a 10 to 13 mm-hmm. year old girl and I liked it. So I'm going to go probably good. Equal rights is like, a, I think as like an adju- is a good answer to that question, but also, yeah, all yeah. of them. I don't see that like... Well, I don't think I don't think girls are just going to be like I'll only read it if it's about girls yeah. and being a girl. I think for some reason people like to read books that aren't necessarily about their own huh. experiences and are just about like dwarves. And I think it's but good it used to, do to be that. very much or detectives. Like for me, it used to be very much like how girls are like totally fine reading harry potter or whatever but like if you're a boy and read a book where the protagonist is a girl like that's that's unimaginable oh yeah then that's like i hate that as like a thing i think that doesn't that extends even past books i think for a lot of people like if i ask a guy i know from work like who are your favorite musicians (laughs) Mm -hmm. like never ever ever do they say it like name a woman you know what i mean (laughs) they can't they can't (laughs) do it name a woman it's yeah it's I mean I think a lot of I don't know because I like a lot of the kids books I read had well like the Skullduggery Pleasant books those had a female protagonist and that had like a skeleton detective so they were pretty good and my brother read those very violent for children's (laughs) books Very like Higarashi style violence going on in there. They're really good though. I um, I've got all my copies like in my room at the moment. Yeah, I'm looking at mine. Do you remember when that woman's like nailed to a chair? Yeah, <laughs> that's fucked up. Yeah, and then like their eyes are exploding <laughs> all the time. I don't know. Ten. <laughs> it says it says for like nine to eleven year olds. Yeah, so it's called Zachary Pleasant's fine for kids to read. I think they can handle a little light sarcasm from Terry Pratchett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's I'm there's a few like sex jokes in it, but you know, that'd I think be fine. If, yeah, but as a kid, you're just like, I don't understand, but I guess this is a funny yeah, joke. You just yeah. read over them. If I don't it's... remember the orgasm joke of the, from this one. So I read I read um, Barry Trotter, the Harry Potter parody, mm-hmm. as a child, 
And like half the jokes in that are just really awful sex jokes. And I did not understand most of the book, but I was like, this is probably funny. So I read it like nine times. (laughs) I got gifted three of those and I'm looking at them right now because they're in a stack of books I'm going to donate to a charity shop as soon as I get the opportunity. I never read the other ones. The oh, first I haven't read one any of them. Wasn't wasn't good, but it did teach me a lot about water sports. Interesting. <laughs> no, I think I think um, we, we got an episode. I mean, we definitely talked a lot. <laughs> That's podcast. I feel like I talked a lot. I think I'm a bit mad. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's good. Uh huh. What is a podcast if not talking? Um, mm. I mean, other people talking apart from me. <laughs> I mean, we've all been talking. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's fine. I'll choose not to worry about it. So next week we will be watching the television series. Yeah. Slash series film film thing. Yeah, it's either of the color of magic slash the light fantastic. It includes both. Either a very long uh, movie or a very short TV series depends on your definition. It has Tim Curry in it for some reason. Yeah, he's um he's Tryman. Oh, good. Ooh, that's cool. That's gonna be good. He's a bit he's a bit old, I think, but it's he's yeah, pretty good in Tim it. Curry, you know, if you get yeah. him for your movie, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we got Sean Astin is yeah. in it. Uh, Christopher, Christopher Lee is Lee's the voice death. of Death. He's he's been Death in a lot, like in almost every Terry Pratchett adaptation, he's, he's, I think. He had a yeah, great voice is the thing. A good Tom. Yeah, he is. I don't know because Ian Richardson was Death in Hogfather, and he was very good as well. Ooh, there's a different guy being his body, which is because he's very mm. tall. Ma- and that guy was called Marnix Van Den Broek, Big fan. <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, I don't think this is as good as Hogfather, and I know that I say that every <laughs> time, but I it's just important either, that everyone so, knows you know. that I love Hogfather. Yeah. By the way, yeah. like but according to the current schedule that I calculated, which might change, but if we keep to that, we're gonna be watching Hawkfeather July next year. So oh, that's, just in time for Christmas. That's perfect timing. I mean, for I think we should movie. we should probably watch it at Christmas. Just like anyway. I, I like the idea of Christmas yeah. in July, though. Yeah, we'll get get just us in the spirit six months yeah. early. Yeah, it's five months. Yeah, this is like that Bojack joke where they're like. Halloween in February. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so we'll return to talk to you about that next Mm. week, and George might be here. We'll see. Yeah, Yeah. see you then. Rinse says fuck. Thank you for listening. Rinse when does say fuck. Bjorn strong in the arms, my uncle. What else do we need to say? Bjorn strong in the arms. It's I am Bjorn strong in the arms, uncle. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, cool. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.